hello there. Welcome back to the Health and Safety Digest, a special podcast by Astutis. And we're so happy to be back. I am your host, Toby Howell, the digital content writer at Astutis. And as ever, as you have heard many a time, I am your guide through this special voyage of health, safety and environmental training. We are so delighted to be back with this special one-off episode uh, looking into our account management services, especially our workplace training, our customised courses and our consultancy services here at Astutis, all empowered to help your business grow and improve your workforce. We talked today to David Beer, who's been with us for many a year on our account management team, and he will take us through numerous examples where he worked with companies, learners, clients around the world to help improve their business, one member of their workforce at a time. So without further ado, let's get into our chat with Dave. Mr. David Beer, uh, you join us today having been with Astutis for just over four years, but you have well over 10 years of account managing experience. There is no one better to help lift the veil and inform our listeners about our account-based family members here at Stutus. So without further ado, Mr. David Beer, welcome to the Health and Safety wow. Digest. What, a, what an introduction, Toby. I'm blown away. Um, where you said there's, there's no one better placed, I'm sure some of, our, uh, some of my colleagues who work within the account management team might beg to differ, but I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly do my, uh, my best here to, uh, to answer your questions and perhaps just give you uh, a flavour of what it is that we do here within the account management team at Astutis and how we support our clients. That's perfect. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us today, Dave. Um, the first question I would like to ask you today yeah. is if you could just, in your own words, describe your role here at Astutis? Okay, great question. Um, and, I, and I suppose looking at it, um, it, it would be the viewpoint from which we look at it. Now are we looking at things pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? And that's important in that pre-pandemic, my role is field-based and I've got a nationwide remit. So oh, I would routinely be traveling, so doing um, a fair bit of mileage uh, every week. Um, traveling to meet with clients to discuss their requirements and help them with their training and consultancy requirements. And that could be clients who are London-based or clients that might be based in uh, in the Lake District. So a lot of variety and a lot of travel, a lot of client meetings, so face-to-face -face meetings. And of course, the pandemic hit and everything changed. The world changed as we know it. So now, instead of driving a car, I drive a desk. So uh, I find myself very much, um, you know, office-based. We're not undertaking face-to-face -face client meetings. Uh, mm. We can if uh, if legislation allows, but um, I, think, I think not just the marketplace, but the world has changed now. And I don't personally, see things ever reverting back to the to the way they were pre-pandemic. And, yeah, you, you know, that's kind of borne out, really, if you look at our virtual training courses. So mm -hmm. our uh, Microsoft Teams tutor-led courses, where courses are hosted live on pre-arranged dates and um, deliveries undertaken via our, uh, or, or, or via screen sharing technology, such as Teams. Now, mm -hmm. 
when you kind of look at that and the benefits that that brings to both um, the client organization, but also the individual delegates, there's so many ben there's so many um, advantages, if you will, to virtual training mm. that um, it should it should to stay. And I think I'm I'm right in saying it, around 70% of all of our training now is being delivered digitally. So either via virtual uh, Microsoft Teams training or via our on an online e-learning solution. And you know, if we kind of just focus on the virtual training, but from um, a cost perspective, which is obviously mm -hmm. very important given the current economic climate, and uh, uh, I kind of quote some of the mainstream media press in in the year of the squeeze uh, two thousand and twenty-two seems to seems to be representing for us all. But there's significant cost savings to be had, both from from our perspective. If we send a tutor to site, mm -hmm. then their reasonable travel expenses are rechargeable to the client. Now we typically wrap that up in the day rate that is a, that is applied to our training courses. But if training is delivered virtually, it represents a cost saving just in relation to those tutor expenses. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But if you kind of consider actually from from the client and the learner's perspective, then that our average class size might be 10 to 12 delegates. Now, often that will facilitate delegates traveling from other geographic areas around the country to a central location to sit in a classroom course. So that can often bring about travel costs and um, potentially accommodation charges for delegates to travel to attend a face to face training session. Um, it's also a lot more convenient because it negates the need to sit in traffic, stressing, you know, whether you're going to be late on time for a, for a venue if you hit some traffic. And, and in that respect, um, you know, that's just a couple of the benefits that virtual training brings. It's a lot more flexible mm -hmm. and it's cheaper, but also given, you know, the, the kind of pandemic landscape, the client has the assurance that training will go ahead as planned on the pre-scheduled dates. Well, it's very interesting that you mentioned, if I could just cut in, sorry, it's very yeah, interesting true. that you mentioned that because as of the day of recording, yesterday we released our very first report, our academic report into health and safety training and the status of it. We conducted it last year in the latter stages of 2021. Right. And we found that even with the, the complications of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, learning uh, training, health and safety training was trending towards virtual and online platforms prior to the pandemic. So attitudes were bending it. towards it. Great point, actually, Toby, because I think that, that, that we were really well positioned at Astutis when the when the pandemic hit. So back in, what was it, March 2020? Mm. So after the initial kind of panic about courses grinding to a halt and, um, you know, everybody kind of trying to work out what 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 is it that we're dealing with? Well, actually, we'd already been delivering virtual training to our international clients. So clients based in the US, for example. Mm -hmm. So we were already well placed. We had that pedigree underpinning our operations. So that allowed us to pivot really quickly to a virtual first model. And mm -hmm. I just quickly uh, elaborate on what a virtual first training model is. Please. It's essentially we have optimized our, um, our, our kind of course um, information, our course materials to be delivered virtually via Microsoft Teams. So with classroom training, um, you know, there will always be a place for it. And of course we support that, but as a business, we've moved to kind of work to make sure that our virtual training is, um, is really first class. So we've invested significantly in technology, both the IT and the audio equipment. We've kind of decked out some, some of our internal training rooms to be recording studios. So we're trying to elevate our courses 
above that of, well, frankly, the competition. And um, that that's, you know, that, that kind of, that pedigree that we had initially really allowed us to kind of move um, very kind of quickly. And I think that helps as well being a, an SME. You know, we've got about what is it, 60, 65 staff nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in that respect, given that we are the, um, you know, we're the leading provider of NEBOSH training globally, um, you know, that's really punching above our weight as a, as an SME. I, I, you know, and that's something that really is, um, um, you know, a real kind of credit to Astutus and the Astutus team and the Astutus family, how we've really, you know, got such a um, significant market share and, of course, such an excellent reputation of quality in the industry. Um, I'll have to check out the report that you referenced. I've not had sight of it yet, so I'm sure that I'll make uh, a look out for that with keen interest. I'm sure it'll make interest in reading. But I'm, I'm conscious, Toby, you see, you've, you've got me talking and, um, you know, and away I go. But I'm trying, I'm going to try and stay on point. So you initially asked me, what what is my role in this year? So just to kind of go all the way back and to loop us back to where we started. But really, it's a role of facilitation. So um, it's account contract relationship management. So I'm not a health and safety practitioner or an environmental practitioner myself. I'm I'm a project manager. So really, I look to... um, So I don't do the doing, if if that makes sense. I make things happen. And, you know, and the buck stops with me. So I have commercial responsibility for the client and for the course that is going ahead. So uh, so my kind of role really is just to pull it all together, to be that that link, almost like conduit um, between client and service provider. So looking to, um, in, in, the, in the very best of worlds, to embed myself within the client's kind of operation within their learning and development team or their HR function and being that trusted advisor, that trusted point of contact. And if the problem's brought to my door, um, whatever that guys that might take, then, um, you know, the onus is upon me then to... Uh, to help remove blockages and to uh, and to smooth waters if necessary, but um, yeah, it's a very all in kind of compassing role in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a saying that comes to mind, Toby: all roads lead to Rome. So uh, everything and every everything to everyone. But um, you know that's the nature of the role. But as I said, there is that that marked difference. Uh, between pre and post pandemic mm. um whereas all that previous travel has been stripped away and that's been a terrific thing in 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 terms of you know from a customer experience perspective because sure you've lost that face to face interaction but i think teams is um you know teams is a really great alternative but it's it it's brought me back a lot of time so a lot of desk time where i'm not just driving hundreds of miles you know, around the country, I'm actually able to um, utilize that time to better effect. And of course, it's significantly more environmentally friendly. I, you just, you've just stolen my line, Dave. Took I think I was about to say that. Yeah, I'm, I know from 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 where I am that the company is doing a huge upsurge in environmental um, responsibility, and, and and in its practice, we're we're cutting down paper usage. Our virtual first uh, strategy is trying to emphasise, obviously, more online e-learning, virtual learning, which cuts out, as you said earlier on, car journeys um, and, and attending exams in person in some in some respects. So I, 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 I think I think you are. Yes, you said it nail on the head, which leads directly into my next question. Okay. Um, uh, 
could you take us through your typical your your typical day at Astutis uh, post post pandemic? Post pandemic, wow. Uh, okay. You know, without the car, but but of course you're not driving the car anymore. You're driving the desk. Indeed, absolutely driving the desk, and. Um, Okay, a typical day. It's it's a varied day. Uh, you, you you're never quite sure what the day might bring, um, but that's that, for me. That's a good thing. You know, it's um, I like the um, the the kind of varied nature of the role. But you know, from a typical day, it's um, it's a case of being available to support our clients. So um, via phone, via um, so client meetings, so review meetings, which are arranged um, and delivered virtually by teams. Um, but I will spend a lot of my day um, really going back to the whole facilitation piece. So it's an organization uh, making sure that there are balances and checks on existing courses, um, that every, you know, all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed and everything is proceeding as planned. That, um, you know, that um, essentially no stone is left unturned in terms of um, proper preparation. And proper preparation, as the saying goes, um, provides great performance words to that effect. So, um, so it's my role to ensure that everything's in place, everything that we need to ensure a successful course, that the tutor is on point, if there are any special considerations. And, um, you know, aside from those checks and balances on existing courses, it's, it's, it's a case of looking at future courses. So it's assisting our clients with um, online training, virtual training, or mm. in company delivered classroom training. And, um, it's not rocket science, but you know when a client wishes to run a course, if we just say let's a client wishes to run an IOSH managing safely training course, it's a three-day training course. If they wanted that delivered on site, then we would obviously need to agree um, specific dates of training delivery. I would need to draft for them a formal document, a proposal of service, which sounds all rather grand, but essentially it's a formal quote. So to make sure that everything's quoted correctly and then that the order is confirmed correctly and have all that processed. It's then the fine, uh, the kind of finer arrangements. So what time the training is going to start? How many delegates are we expecting for virtual courses? We need to capture certain data sets from delegates information to set the courses up. And likewise for in company training, we need to make sure um, if applicable examinations are registered with the re relevant accrediting body, IOSH and EBOSH, whatever that might be. Um, now we will send and dispatch to site prior to the delivery of the course, hard copy course notes or hard copy course materials. So we need to know how many we're sending, where they go in, um, who they should be mindful of the attention of, etc. So it's that belt and braces approach to ensuring that actually, going back to what I was saying about the I's being dotted and the T's being crossed, and actually the fundamentals are in place to ensure um, an excellent training intervention. Um, and, and, and in a nutshell, without perhaps delving into a really kind of finite detail, that's um, a whistle-stop tour of, of what a day looks like. It's working with our clients to make sure that um, the training that we have in place, um, regardless of training medium, is going well, and it's assisting our clients with arranging future courses. And of course then, whilst uh, simultaneously managing the, the commercial relationship with the client at hand. Have I done that justice for you there, Toby? Well, I was just about to say, Dave, you have done more than justice. You're the very coal face, the engine of the studios, the very <laughs> coal face at the frontier of what we do here. So we have to applaud you. That, that. That, 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 that really does lead into my next question. Okay. It might seem an, an, an obvious one, but 
from your opinion, um, when obviously when you're when you're talking to our clients, why is it so important that we have a healthy, strong, uh, meaningful relationship with our clients? You know, why why for you is that so important? Okay, um, principally it's good business, Toby, and um, you know from 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 Astutis's perspective. You know, we are in the business of being the premium supplier of accredited HSE training in the global marketplace. And so we need to back up and to underpin that reputation for the quality of our service provision. So trust is very important. And I'll, I'll give you an example. You mentioned at the outset of the call, I've been with the students now for four years, and then I've been working in, in an account management capacity for around 10 years. That's, that's actually within the kind of HSE arena, if you will. So prior to that, I was kind of working similar roles, but in financial services, for example. So I've always had that kind of, you know, my career to date really has been forged around providing um, an excellent customer experience on to um, you know and, and and around contract management, account management, key account management, and new business acquisition. And and from from my perspective, I use that example. So I I started kind of working with some clients ten years ago at the at the company I represented at the time. And you know, all these years later, a decade decade later, I'm still working with some mm -hmm. of those same clients. And things change, people move on, um, people retire, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, those relationships don't necessarily always endure such a long time frame. But really it's um it it it's a case of that um that that kind of personal reputation comes firmly into the equation. Mm. You know, so it's, it's both an astutist reputation and a personal reputation. And the astutist brand values and corporate reputation is very much aligned to my own belief system. So, you know, you don't win a, necessarily win a client for a project at hand. You know, if 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 you do well in terms of your service offering, you fulfil your uh, your obligations, and you. Uh, and, and you meet your promises, then actually that um, that translates into a good practice from a business perspective, because repeat business from an existing client is so much easier to to kind of attain as opposed to trying to you know break into you know brand new clients and and to work with them. You've got none of that past history, none of that past experience from the clients in terms of their involvement with yourself. So it's it's vital, it's critical, Toby. Um, you know, relationships are key. And, um, you know, I, I, I take great pride in the fact that, um, you know, the, the calibre of clients that I represent. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, my personal kind of account management portfolio here at Astutis includes the likes of, you know, working with a cooperative group and Muller UK and Ireland and, and Bentley Motors. And, you know, they have high expectations, they have disparate requirements, which are very client specific. And, in, um, you know, across across the years, uh, your um, your relationships, um, they, 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 they kind of, they, they evolve and they, 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 they mature. But um, it, it's really vital, Toby. It's, um, it's, it's a critical component to what we do. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that because my next question was going to be in in terms of 
having these relationships for a long time. I, I know you're not the only um, you're not the only person who has these relationships with our clients now for no, you know some, some 10, 15 years. Yes. And, uh, you know, is it as not as simple, but is it as 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 straightforward as ensuring that, of course, the courses that they that they train for their staff and and their workforce are up to scratch, continue the information, the communications up to scratch. But, you know, how how why is it that astutis uh, continue to have these really flourishing, continuing long relationships with their clients? What's the secret there? OK, so the secret sauce. It's uh, it's an amalgam of ingredients I'd I'd propose um, and you suggested, you know, why is it that our students have got you know these long and enduring and valued trusted relations uh, relationships, mm-hmm. and you know that's principally born out of the quality of the service provision that we provide, um, but. You know, you touched on, you know, not just myself having long term relationships with our clients and and that's very much the case. You know, so my colleagues within the account management team, uh, Claire, Paul, Mark, Adam, you know, we've 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 all been working with our respective cl- uh, clients to a greater or lesser capacity for a long period of time. And certainly from my perspective, it's uh, it's very much a case of I position myself as the client's advocate. So I'm here to work with you to protect your interests and to, as I said, provide that conduit between service provider and client. But um, for me, from personally, it's 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 a case of um, being available, being approachable, um, listening, actively listening. You know, what is the client's requirement? What is the issue at hand, wherever it might be, the, the kind of particular scenario? But um, to fulfill your promises, Toby. So if I say that I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, then I'm going to do exactly mm. what I said I'm going to do. So it's that that kind of assurance and 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 actions speak louder than words. So you don't necessarily kind of speak to a client. If I if I started to speak to a to a client we've not supported previously, you know I'm not going to go into right, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for you. I'm going to be that kind of um, point of contact, that kind of person with commercial responsibility. It's more a case of demonstrating for your actions, um, you know, and, and, and that kind of continual high level of support. So I consider myself a um, to be a problem solver and an innovative thinker. So I will work look, uh, you know, with our clients to derive a um, uh, if necessary, a bespoke solution that is applicable to them, but it's a case of following through. And if, if for some reason, you, 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 you might promise to get some documentation to a client by by X time, and, and things can and do happen. And if that becomes unachievable for whatever reason, well, you know, it, it, it's incumbent upon you then to make sure that there's a very strong level of communication. Mm. So you pick up the phone, or, you know, get in touch, you let let them know what you know. There's actually a slight complication. Uh, this is this is the case, whatever it might be, and um, you know, I'll take care of this. I'll get this sorted out for you. Right. It's going to be by X time or Y time, a revised time. So it's that kind of communication piece. So essentially, it's a case of being uh, approachable and available. It's a case of um, fulfilling your promises, and it's a case of providing an excellent customer experience. Well, it, it does sound to me, Dave, that you essentially take up the role of, you know, their representative, you know, and it, sound, it, sound, it sounds like you're doing a terrific job and, um, 
you know uh, the way the way you say it comes across very very well. My last question, and obviously I appreciate your time today. Um, you know, in terms of tailoring the support for our clients, you know, from from what I understand from from the way we work with our clients, we can go extremely customized in terms of molding the course not just to the intricacies of a business, but the very fabric of their DNA. Yes, but you know, and my question is: Do you have a uh, a recent example, almost or or even distant, uh, that that reflects how we have done that, and 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 showcases maybe uh, and paints a better picture than us just you know talking uh, about it on 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 a on a grand level, in terms of how we do customize our courses to benefit uh, the client. Yes, uh, I think it, what it comes down to is that. There are there are certain requirements which are you know kind of universal across many sectors and industries, and therefore there's a requirement for what we might term off-the-shelf products. Right. So, you know, something like we touched or used IOSH managing safely, a three-day course if delivered in a classroom setting. Um, Personally, I'd advocate uh, serious consideration to the online e-learning uh, uh, variant of, of the training. Um, it's, it's very strong, it's very powerful, and it's very well put together. Uh, but, you know, there will always be uh, a requirement for uh, kind of a standardised product. So if, uh, if a client needs an uh, English management safety course delivered regardless or training delivered regardless of uh, training medium, then that's something that we're readily able to facilitate in quick order and it follows a standardized process and um, you know everything all all things being equal everything should should run like clockwork now when we kind of start working with our clients then on a very kind of bespoke um, basis those requirements um, are very much specific to the organization at hand mm -hmm. and um, on that basis they can vary widely so a lot of what we will kind of do will be based upon the operations of the client, the work activities that they undertake, and the, um, you know, their their the kind of requirements from a health safety or or an environment training or consultancy provisioning will therefore um, be very much aligned to their specific operations. So, um, so we'll work with the clients really um, to kind of really understand the requirement that's that's the first port of call right you can't that's just the, rush in you cannot no you so you need to it takes as long as it takes to be able to to kind of garner a very strong appreciation of the requirement at hand so that can often necessitate kind of document exchange so policies procedures kind of being relayed needing to be reviewed and understood in terms of the the relevancy of of, of, of the requirement at hand, but often um, client meetings, so conversations um, often kind of underpin then and backed up by written confirmation via email. But it's it's very much a case of not just understanding, you know, what, what it is, what kind of intervention that the client is looking to deploy, but why, why and what is the end game and what feeds into that and Good, good kind of health and safety practice in in an organisation is both a top down and a bottom up approach, 
and it's 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 especially if you've worked with a client for a very long period of time and you've really got to to get a solid kind of understanding of their operations that that's really kind of vital and really really key you know in terms of your ability to look at the requirement at hand understand what the requirements are and then to diligently align uh, appropriate uh, support uh, an appropriate support solution so you asked for an example and you know, a couple that come to mind would be some online uh, e-learning training content de uh, development that we've we've recently undertaken so two projects spring to mind one for st john ambulance wales and the other for bsi so the british standards institute so i support both organizations with uh, developing very bespoke online content so to do that it necessitated um, you know, significant discussion in the first instance to understand what the client was trying to achieve, what they were seeking and working to achieve, why that was and what that kind of fed into. So if we look at the BSI example, so one of our online training courses is, um, is the IEMA Sustainability Skills uh, Suite. So we right. offer um, uh, the sustainability skills for the workforce and we offer the sustainability skills for the managers course and bsi um had a look at our IEMA sustainability skills for the workforce course they really liked how we put it together etc but in terms of their sustainability agenda they had further requirements there was content within the course that was not considered necessary so there was amendments submissions and additions and revisions that were required to really kind of take um the the basis of our courses as, as a template if you will and to really build upon that and um you know to kind of make sure that 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 kind of end product was very much aligned to what bsi were looking to achieve and you know, the, the requirement was really quite complex in so much as the, the, the final developed course was to be rolled out to um, uh, circa 5,000 BSI employees worldwide. Wow. Before there were language considerations that came into the, consi in, in, into the equation. So a requirement to uh, translate our developed content to, to Chinese, another requirement to, to, to kind of work with the client or work with the course to develop a Spanish language variant of the course. And, um, you know, and, and that was all kind of put together in conjunction with our, um, our excellent uh, uh, kind of course development team, which is headed up by uh, Gareth, Gareth Morgan. And Gareth runs a very tight ship uh, with his development team. He really is brilliant. Um, uh, Gareth is uh, he's, he's probably forgotten more about learning and development than I'll, I'll ever learn, but he comes across um, so very well with the clients. And, and he really knows his onions. He really knows his stuff. So, so you know, it, so from my perspective, I guess what I'm getting at was, Toby, is one, you've got to get that understanding of the client's requirements. But then from, from, from an astutist perspective, you've, you've got to act as that overarching project manager to bring in the necessary expertise, the necessary resource to be able to undertake the, the requirement at hand. And then that kind of necessitates working with our internal teams then you know Gareth's team for an example in terms of right mapping out a roadmap for development uh time frames and milestones as we move forward etc all arriving at a defined endpoint where we had committed to deliver the uh 
the developed course material in SCORM, SCORM format for the client to allow them to roll that out. And that went brilliantly. And the feedback um, I actually had from uh, from from our course sponsor um, or project sponsor at BSI, Amanda, was uh, that the course was considered excellent. And um, you know, that, that word excellent is perhaps sometimes uh, overused mm. um, or, or, or kind of underappreciated. But you know, for a, for an organization of the caliber of BSI, given you know, given their kind of standing um, to kind of comment that the, the developed material that we that we arrived at was excellent, was um, was 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 you know more more than enough reward for all the effort that went into underpinning uh, the successful completion of the project. No, and it sounds sounds fantastic. And congratulations with your work with BSI. Dave, I couldn't have asked any more from you today. Um, you you have you've come in and you've you've really given us a good show here on uh, the Health and Safety Digest. So I'd like to say thank you very much for answering all the questions and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, Toby, it's brilliant, brilliant, and um, I must say I, I kind of came into this with a with a, deg a degree of trepidation, but um, you've been a brilliant host, Toby, and uh, you've really helped to put me at ease. So I hope. Uh, I hope I've, uh, as, as I said earlier, I've done justice and uh, to matters. But um, yeah, you know, and thank you. And um, I look forward to uh, to hearing the podcast, or or perhaps I won't. Um, I always seem to sound very Welshy. I always come across very Welshy when I, sometimes you know you you'll be on the phone to a client and you hear a bit of reverberation, a bit of echoing, a bit of feedback, and so I, I hear my own voice, and I'm always. I, I personally don't think I, I come across sounding that Welsh, but um, by all accounts, I do. So uh, I, I hope I've uh, come across clearly and, um, and yeah, I've done my best. So thank you, Toby. I'm grateful. Well, if if I hear feedback from our listeners that we need subtitles next time you're on, <laughs> we'll do it. Dave, thank you very much. Cheers, Toby. I'm grateful. All the best. Thank you, David. For that. Now, looking forward to the coming weeks, we will be launching season two of the Health and Safety Digest. Uh, this is a bonus episode, but in the coming weeks, we are going to feature exclusive coverage on the NIBOSH national and international versions, the two of them combined, of the General Certificate for Occupational Health and Safety. Now, in the prior season, where we focused on the NIBOSH diploma, we relied on Brennig. Uh, to use his massive brain of knowledge to help inform us about the diploma. However, we've expanded our interviewee uh, umbrella this, this time around, and we are featuring uh, interviews with uh, tutors, Brennick himself, our learning development department, someone from our operations department to help understand and lift the veil regarding our customer service and our learner interaction. And then we will also be featuring the likes of you, our wonderful learners to help us and potential learners understand about the fantastic offering that the General Certificate offers learners around the world. So if you are looking at the General Certificate, be that the national or international version, stay tuned and we will be launching several episodes dedicated solely to answering your most frequently asked questions regarding the qualification, incorporating current learners who can tell you whether the course is for you. Until then, thank you very much for listening. 
You can follow us and find us on all social media platforms if you just type in Astutis, and you can email me directly at toby.howell at astutis.com for any queries, questions regarding the diploma, the general certificate, or any other qualifications that you're currently doing. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Speak to you soon.